Beyond IRCAD. Surgical Journeys. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Beyond IRCAD, the podcast where we dive deep into the lives and careers of successful surgeons from all around the world. Coming to you from Strasbourg, France, we have a very special guest in the studio today. He's the head of the neurosurgery department at Hôpital Lariboisière in Paris. With over two decades of experience, he's become a renowned authority in the world of surgery. He's displayed exceptional talent and a passion for pushing the boundaries of surgical knowledge. Professor Sébastien Frolich, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's, it's a, a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So welcome. And so to begin this podcast, uh, we're going to talk about you. And we're going to talk about your, uh, your background and what made you the surgeon that you are today. So could you maybe start off by telling us about yourself, about where you're from and how you became interested in the field of medicine and surgery? I am originally from Strasbourg. I was not born here, but my, my family is from here. So I'm from, from Alsace. Um, I did my medical school here in Strasbourg. I have to say that I am not uh, one of those uh, students who can say I always wanted to be a doctor. It came uh, quite late. In fact, a uh, few months before I decided to, to apply for medical school. I was not so convinced of, uh, of doing medicine. Uh, but uh, rapidly I found in, uh, in medical school uh, areas where uh, I felt uh, very comfortable with. It was quite uh, natural, like uh, anatomy, uh, all the surgical rotation I made. I, I felt uh, that it was uh, a good environment for me. So that's it. And uh, progressively during my medical school, I... I found that surgery was, was for me and, uh, and uh, one of my last rotation, I went into neurosurgery and uh, I went one day in the OR and uh, I was uh, shocked, shocked by what I saw and, uh, and I came back every day and I have to say I never left uh, uh, neurosurgery and uh, the operating room. So that, that's quite interesting because you didn't know from a from an early stage that you were going to pursue a career in surgery. So what what sparked your interest? What was there a, an event maybe or maybe a no, person I, around you? Not necessarily. I think I was like uh, many many young guys who don't necessarily you know have a clear idea of what they want to do. But uh, but I went into it. I found uh, something I liked for which it was uh, it was natural. It was not really work. It was just something I liked and uh, I was doing quite easily. Learning anatomy, interested with anatomy and some part of uh, of it. Uh, and then meeting uh, fantastic people during my uh, my rotation. People who, who, who brought me with them uh, in the OR and shared their passion. And, uh, and uh, it's not only what I see, what I saw in the OR that, that I, I liked. I remember this first day where I, uh, I was in the OR. I still see the surgery I have seen on the screen and it's, uh, it's images that are still in my head. And uh, it was beautiful uh, aneurysm uh, surgery, but the atmosphere in the OR uh, was uh, quite uh, 
uh, a lot of concentration, uh, silence, uh, and you know, the first minute of uh, meeting someone or meeting a situation, I think are extremely important. Yeah. And uh, and I felt very good yeah. in this environment. It, it and then I, I decided to to keep going. It was uh, it was not easy. I mean, you need to work for the residency exam. But but everything I did since then was uh, to to be one day uh, at the place of the surgeon who was operated this specific day. Okay. So when you looked at this surgeon. Did you look up to, to him and think this this is what I want to do? This is what I want to become? Absolutely. I said this I, I would like one day to be able to do that and, and to yeah. This is exactly what I told myself. Okay. I was not uh, I had no passion for medicine until this moment. The passion was born just at this specific day where I went into the OR. That's incredible. So you, di you didn't know you wanted to do that before. You went in the OR and then it just went naturally. Yeah, then, then everything uh, became natural. And I have to say, I never had the feeling of, uh, of working, you know, going to work. Uh, uh, I have to wake up because I have to go to work, you know, which is, I guess, something that uh, a lot of people can experience because you don't always do what you want. But I have to say, that I was extremely fortunate to find something where every day I go to work and uh, I go where I, I want to go. It's very fortunate. It's, <laughs> yes. it's a passion. It's a passion. Yeah, I have to say it's a passion. It's, it's a chance. Yes. It's an incredible chance. And so when you decided, when you were sure that that was what you wanted to do, what was the reaction around you? Your friends and family, were they supportive of that choice? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were very supportive. They were happy for me that, uh, you know, you, when when you're young, you find a place where you you enjoy to be. And uh, yes, yeah. and, and I have to say, I, I worked a lot. I dedicated a lot. Uh, it's also sacrifice for some for other things, but uh, I never felt it as a sacrifice. Yeah, I, I always felt it as something natural. Sometimes it's too natural and you have to fight a little bit against this because there is a world around you and mm -hmm. you have to pay attention also to yeah. other things and, uh, and people. We'll be talking about that as well. Um, and so what, what's, uh, what sparked your interest in the brain in particular? Well, uh, quite rapidly, I was interested with uh, complex uh, intracranial surgery. And here also, I was extremely fortunate to do my first rotation in the Department of Neurosurgery in Colmar. But for a neurosurgery resident, it was good fortune because Colmar at that time was extremely strong uh, as a department. And there was a, a skull bay surgeon, very famous skull bay surgeon, uh, Vinko Dolank, who was coming in this department every month. Uh, he was a chair in uh, Ljubljana, but uh, uh, extremely known uh, neurosurgeon around the world. And he was coming for uh, three, four days doing extremely complex cases. I didn't have a clue of what I was looking at because I was, uh, it was my first rotation, but uh, it was extremely impressive. Everybody was uh, watching him like he was doing, you know, incredible thing. And, and that's what he was doing. So it gave me 
a taste of it when I said, again, I would like to do what, uh, what he's doing. I started to dream. Yes. I mean, this, this, this uh, neurosurgeon uh, made me dream of, of, uh, of what I could uh, become. Of course. So you're talking about Vinko de Lang. Were there any other surgeons that you, look, you looked up to, sorry, and thought, you know, this, this is what I want to achieve? Yes, yes. I mean, I, I really had the good fortune to meet with uh, fantastic guys. Uh, the resident working with me was uh, Didier Scavarda. He was older than me. He's now the chair of, uh, of pediatric neurosurgery in uh, Marseille. A uh, fantastic person as a as a mentor, you know. Yes. He was he was uh, uh, finishing his residency. I was very young, and he he, he took me uh, on his shoulder to 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 give me the direction. He was tough, but uh, uh, I was also very fortunate to to meet him. So it's not necessarily. Uh, meeting someone who is already at the top level, but someone who is. Uh, 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 generous enough to give you direction. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I met a lot of uh, uh, fantastic people, and uh, this was also my my good fortune. And then you went to the United States, is that correct? Yes. After this experience in Colmar, I moved to Strasbourg. Uh, I met again again the neurosurgeon I, I I have seen in the OR my first uh, my very first uh, time I went in a, in an OR, in an OR to see neurosurgery, and uh, we had a very strong relationship uh, since then. Uh, but I came with with already this uh, this image in mind of Vinko Dolank in uh, in uh, in Colmar. Strasbourg was not a place where uh, skull based surgery what at this level so rapidly i said i have to go to where uh, where, where i happening. can see that where it's happening where there is a school where there is a, a dedicated strategies so i i wanted to go to the us the mayfield clinic the mayfield clinic i applied in a, in a multiple uh, center in the us and uh, one thing I, I remember is that the person from Cincinnati who answered to my application was Harry Van Loveren, fantastic surgeon. And what I liked in the response he sent me is that we will be happy to work with you. Yes. And the with you, uh, I said, this is something interesting. This is something special. Yeah. It was not me working for them, it was working together. And it's exactly what's happened. I went in Cincinnati and I worked in the lab, but uh, it was really a collaboration. They gave me everything I needed to express my passion. And this is what I did. I worked a lot, but it was, again, it was not really work. It was just enjoying and uh, taking advantage of your passion. So that, that's for your fellowship. That was my first year of fellowship. And then uh, I, 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 I discussed with, uh, with the team there and they offered me to come back. But for a clinical fellowship, you need to, to have uh, uh, USMLE, which is a kind of uh, American diploma for, for doctors. So I had to, to take the exam uh, for this to be able to practice surgery. 
So it took me a while because uh, doing it uh, while I was already a young faculty, which is uh, in neurosurgery quite demanding, I, I had to find time to come back to medical school, learn again the basics, take the exam. So it took me uh, three, four years uh, to take all the exam and then I came back uh, as a clinical fellow, which was also a unique experience. And so all these years in the US, when you, when you came back to France, did you notice any differences between the US and France in terms of uh, technical, technological advancements, for example, or even the, just the way that surgeries were performed? The difference coming back to Strasbourg, I would say, was, uh, was volume. Uh, where I was in Cincinnati, there was really a dedicated team doing only skull base. Uh, so surgeons in the U.S. have a tendency to be subspecialized, especially in academic places. And Cincinnati at the time was a big center because uh, in the middle of three states, so huge uh, population to treat. Uh, compared to a department in Strasbourg where there was not uh, true subspecialization, you had surgeons more into cranial, more into spine, but everybody was doing everything. And uh, so this was the main difference. But other than this, I have to say that the people who trained me in Strasbourg were uh, fantastic surgeons and uh, remained a fantastic surgeon when I came back from the US. It's good also to have a knowledge in uh, everything. And uh, that's, that's, that's also a strength. It was a strength when I moved to Paris because uh, having an experience in many surgical fields give you uh, confidence, you know, to, to, to mentor younger people. But definitely the US at that time offered this uh, subspecialization, a kind of philosophy in skull-based surgery, which was not uh, very common in France at that time. Okay. You were talking about your own mentors. And you have become a mentor yourself. You know, you come here to IRCAD for, for the courses. Uh, how, how long have you been coming for the courses now? Almost 15 years. Yeah. Yes, almost 15 years. And so how, how did that happen? Did you get, uh, were you invited to, uh, to participate? No, uh, I have to say that when I was in the US, I had the opportunity to go in uh, many courses. On the first course I went, on the first course I did a demonstration, I was a resident. So I was a resident doing a demonstration to experience the resurgence. So it was, it was uh, unbelievable for me. And, uh, and, but this is the opportunity that those people gave me. You know, it's, it's an incredible gift. Uh, for a young uh, neurosurgeon like me, I was, you know, I was like a kid in neurosurgery. But Harry Van Leveren, Jeffrey Keller, uh, Kelly Disease, those people means a lot to me because they gave me this opportunity to express myself even at a very young age. So I wanted to pay back because what they gave me was, uh, was, uh, was amazing. Uh, so when I came back in France, I said I have to organize a course to be able to invite those mentors I had for them to, to share with the people here uh, in Europe, in France. So I tried to find a place 
to organize a course and to organize a course at the level of what I had, uh, what was given to me when I was in the US. So I came to see uh, Professor Maresco. And I have to say that uh, another person who is extremely important in my career is Professor Marosco, because he gave me uh, this opportunity to, to pay back uh, and to move to the next level. And the IRCAD, it's exactly that. It's, uh, it's the opportunity to, to share with others at a very high level in a fantastic environment. And uh, yes, I took advantage of it. But again, it was a gift given by someone. And uh, Professor Marisco is the one who gave me this gift here in France. So opportunities were given to you. And now you're passing on knowledge to the younger generation. I'm trying. I'm trying. And um, so is it, um, is it something that's also important to you to learn every time you come here as well, because you teach to the course participants, but I, I guess you keep learning as well every time you come here. Absolutely. For me, it's, uh, you know, working in a, in a department, in your world, uh, it's, it's, it's a kind of a closed uh, environment in Paris. I, I have a fantastic team and uh, uh, it's great, but still it's a closed environment. So being able to come here, uh, interact with others, teach, do some uh, demonstration is a fantastic opportunity for me to learn, to yes. question myself, to pick up ideas, uh, to apply those ideas directly. And the young guys who come with me, the research fellow I have, the clinical fellow, it's a driving force because they are pushing behind constantly, constantly. So they force you to, to move on, to move forward. So yes, all this is a driving force for me. Are there times when you disagree with other experts? Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I, quite often, in fact, and they disagree with me, but that's, that's uh, the exchange. The, the value of, uh, of sharing is, uh, is sometimes to say, well, it's, it's probably the, uh, a good way to do it. And you change and you adjust a little bit. And even if you don't agree, you still have it in mind, this uh, opposite opinion, and, and it can influence the way you, you think uh, next. So, so yes, I think this constant interaction that those IRCAD course provided me uh, was extremely important in, in, uh, in the evolution of my career, evolution of my practice, evolution of uh, the way I interact with others, uh, network, absolutely. It was uh, fundamental. So is it, is it important to be able to question yourself, you know, to, to, to maintain that scientific mindset? Yes, yes, absolutely. And when you teach, uh, people are watching you, they are, they are listening to you. They, so it's important to, to, I mean, to constantly question what you teach. Uh, do you also need to have, uh, as a surgeon, good communication skills, like, for example, uh, when you when you have to deal with a patient, uh, rather than just focusing on the medical medical duties, do you also find it important to uh, exchange with your patient to explain the procedure and what's going to happen and so on? Is that is that an important aspect? Absolutely, I would say it's the most important aspect is the relationship with the patient. It's not necessarily something you put at the top of your list when you're young, but the more I I, I 
with the years, over the years, the relationship with the patient is definitely uh, becoming, became the most important because what, what we do is uh, complex surgery and uh, the most incredible people I have met in my career are some of my patients. I mean, the way they face uh, those situations, uh, the trust they have in you, uh, it's something you just can be uh, humble uh, with this. So this relationship with the patient, yes, it's extremely important. It's our daily practice. I mean, here it's a week uh, in our uh, agenda, but the patient, it's uh, every day. Of course. And have you had like cases, specific cases where it reaffirmed your passion for your profession? Yes, I mean, uh, I am fortunate enough to have a practice where uh, every day is another day. And uh, uh, the type of surgery we do is, uh, is uh, quite challenging case. So, so it's, it's never the same case as the day before or the week before. So every day it's, uh, it's uh, an opportunity to learn, to explore new situations, find new solutions to new challenges. So this is also the beauty of uh, skull base surgery because it's, uh, you, you always can find a way to improve and you have always to try to improve because uh, definitely it's a risky surgery and, uh, and uh, there is consequences. And uh, so, so that's also the beauty of it, that it's constantly uh, changing, remaining challenge. Yeah. Um, is there, do you feel pressure when you step into the operating room? Uh, not so much, in fact. Uh, that's uh, being afraid of what I will do Today is not something I, I, I experience. I'm not afraid. And I think it's important not to be afraid. If you're afraid of this coming surgery, it means that either you're not prepared enough or I'm not sure it's a good state of mind, but it, de it depends on your own personality. Maybe for some people it's, uh, it's, it's necessary. How can I say that? Uh, it doesn't mean that I am sure of myself. Okay, I have a lot of duped uh, and until the last moment, uh, I think about the strategies, uh, uh, options until the very last moment. So I'm not sure of myself. I have a lot of duped of uh, uh, how we will do the, the case. But once I am in, uh, it's, it's not a feeling. Uh, I don't experience a feeling of being afraid or no, this is not uh, exactly like this. Do you ever get cases where you're just stuck and you're not sure what to do? Does that ever happen to you? Or you always find, find a way? Find no, a I, I, I had cases where I stepped back and okay. I decided uh, now it's time to stop. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's something you always have to keep in mind in skull-based surgery. I remember Harry von Loveren telling me that, you know, sometimes uh, mentors tell you, uh, you something voices. and you hear it and you keep it in mind. You know, he told me uh, skull-based surgery or surgery in general, it's, it's not a fight to resect a tumor. It's, it's a fight for the patient. So resecting a lesion or treating a pathology without considering the patient around and the consequences for the patient is easy. But uh, we should not uh, forget that uh, 
Patient is asleep, but patient will wake up. And the most important is how he will wake up, how he will, he will, he will live his life after the surgery. So yes, sometimes I step back. And it happened to me also to step back uh, before the operation because uh, I feel that, uh, no, there is something uh, wrong. I'm not ready for it. Uh, the decision is not uh, clear. Uh, something is wrong. We stop. I, I cancel the case. Not very often, uh, but it's always better to stop uh, even last minute uh, than doing a case where you're not prepared, the strategy is not clear, something is missing. That's uh, definitely something and, and related to your question before. That's why I'm, I think I'm not afraid because when I do it, it means that I'm sure it's a good thing to do. Okay, so. I don't remember of, uh, of cases where I was, you know, you're entering the room and um, you're not completely sure. No, this is not something I, uh, I, I experienced. Are there any, because um, the brain is, is, is very mysterious, um, how, how much do we really know about the brain? Not, uh, not much, not much in fact. It's, uh, it's, it's still a, a mystery for the, the, the vast majority of, uh, of the brain and the brain function. Obviously, uh, I know some things about the brain, but as a skull-based surgeon, the only thing that we need to have in mind is that the brain should be protected. So we should preserve the brain because most of the lesions are treated. I'm treating are, are not into the brain. It's uh, uh, below the brain, in front of the brain. And the difficulties is to have access to those lesions without injuring the brain or what is coming out from the brain uh, or going in, which means cranial nerve or vessels. Sometimes I work into the brain. Obviously, you need to know where you are into the brain and to know the function of the brain for that. Uh, I have a partner, uh, Emmanuel Mandonet, who is him. He's working on brain tumors. So he's doing sleep awake surgery. So for him, he explores the brain function while he's operating. Me, I am turning around the brain. So it's different aspect of, uh, of neurosurgery. Okay. Have you been involved in research? Maybe you still are. Uh, is, is that yes. an important aspect as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very important aspect of uh, academic department of neurosurgery. And uh, we have different area of research. In fact, in my department, everyone has a, a specific focus in terms of research. Uh, yes, it's uh, mandatory. Mandatory for what we do to try to improve what we do and, uh, and to use clinical data to, to get better, to, you know, biological tissues from rare tumor need to be used to, to find new options. The surgery I do for some tumors such as cordoma, for example, extremely complex, but rare tumors. Surgery is an option now, radiation therapy is an option, but it's, it, it doesn't always offer a cure. I think the cure will come next with a better understanding of the tumor itself, finding new treatments, uh, medical treatments, targeted therapy. This will be the, the solution for cure. Surgery is a great tool, but most often for those tumors, it doesn't 
provide cure. Cure will come from research, basic research, and, uh, and we have program uh, for those specific tumors in basic research, also epidemiological uh, studies on meningioma, relationship between hormones uh, and meningioma, and others uh, programs. So research and surgery go hand in hand. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So you said every every day is different for you, but if you if you had like a typical typical day, what would a typical day be like for you at work? Uh, it's uh, it's a busy day. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's a busy day from the early morning to late uh, late in the evening. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a day where you you you, you intense. You're intense, 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 absolutely intense. You know, the, the, the condition now in France, in the hospital, is not optimum. We, we face some difficulties. Uh, and uh, and it's, it adds uh, a little bit uh, to the fight. Uh, but uh, I always believe that uh, working in an hospital, working with patients should not be too easy. Because part of the difficulties we have on a daily practice uh, to get things as a doctor for our patient is a fight. But at the end, it's also a fight for the patient. Yeah. So you get the spirit of this fight also because you need to fight to get the things. If everything is given to you too easily, then it changes also the human relationship. I think we need to have with the patient fighting for them. So. I knew some places in the US, sometimes you have places where, you know, everything is easy for the doctor. It's good on a daily basis, but something is maybe missing. And the, that's why also I like the, the French system. It's a bit more challenge. Yes. I mean, I don't think uh, a, a place where we treat people should be too easy for the doctors because then what is what the patient is facing which is difficult things to to fight against the disease sometimes deadly disease there is a disconnection between what the patient feel and the, what the doctors feel mm -hmm. if it's too easy for the doctors and very tough for the patient then you know there is a kind of disconnection yes still uh, we need condition, good condition to work, and uh, and this could be part of the difficulties uh, in hospital in the future. But I mean that's. But it's true that because the stakes are very high, you know, we are talking about life and death. Um, it has to be demanding, hasn't it? And uh, yeah, is is that the state of mind you come you come here with, Yerkal, when you teach, for example? It has to be demanding. Uh, you have to have a certain standard, you know, to, to pass on the knowledge. And uh, do you sometimes see some course participants and think, you know, he's he's really cut out for the job. He's going to be an amazing, some you know, some quick yes, learners, yes, fast yes. learners. Yes, yes, I, I see that. Yeah. I see people with uh, with talents, with they have something different. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I feel this quite rapidly. OK. Not everybody has the same investment in what uh, they are doing, but not everybody has need to have this level of investment. We, we don't need a, uh, only a surgeon dedicated to one thing. We, we need to treat a, a wide broad of pathology. Some are very simple, 
and uh, you don't necessarily need the same amount of investment in the technique. So, you know, there is rooms for everyone and every level of dedication. What's important is to do your job with passion, to, to be dedicated to the, to the patient himself. Uh, but then the level of investment depends also on, uh, on your, your need in life. And, uh, and I would say uh, having some balance also is helpful to, to treat patients. <laughs> And how do you keep that balance? Well, it's not so easy. Uh, sometimes I feel I should be more balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one to to feel it. Yeah. The people around you uh, uh, may suffer also of this uh, dedication. So yeah, it's uh, you have to sometimes to step back for this reason also. So what what would you do to to be able to maintain that balance between your professional life and your personal life? Well, it's, uh, you need to find uh, someone who, who share also a passion. This is the best. And uh, it's the case uh, for me. So different passion, but we share passion for what we do. It's extremely important. Uh, but then, yes, it's a, it's a constant effort to sometimes uh, give a, a little less to the work and a little more to outside of work. Yeah. But the passion, it's tough to fight uh, of course, of course. <laughs> against your passion. Yeah, because you're so passionate, of course. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever manage to completely switch off? Or is that something that's quite challenging? No, but uh, I have the feeling that at some point the priority need to change uh, with, with, with age, with uh, uh, advancing in age. Uh, my passion for the operating room... Uh, probably at some point we'll have to, to, to step back a little bit for other things like uh, teaching, uh, training, research, you know, it's, 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 it has to change uh, uh, with time, definitely. Yeah. And it's good, it's good. Yeah, it's positive. And so you travel a lot for, for your job. Uh, yes, yes. Do you, do you manage to, to make the most out of those travels as well? Do you get to, to, in, to take some time off and, and visit places as well? Yes, more or not, less. Not so much. <laughs> not so much. But yeah. traveling, traveling uh, around for my job uh, is also uh, a relief uh, from from my daily uh, practice because sometimes you need you need to take some uh, some oxygen outside. Yeah, and um, and also to pick up uh, ideas, uh, interaction with others. I think uh, it's important to. To, to move away from your place, find new things, bring it back. You know, that's what I tell to, to the one coming after me. I, I, I want sometimes to kick them out of, uh, of the house, you know, go and, uh, and find your own way and find things you will bring back to the department, but also bring back to me. Yes. <laughs> because... Uh, so when you move around, do you, uh, does that offer you a different perspective? Yes. Yeah. On, 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 your, on the way you perform the surgeries as well? Or? Yes, on the way you perform the surgery and uh, uh, the way uh, neurosurgery is practiced in other places. And uh, in France, we have a tendency to complain. I mean, it's yes, part of our <laughs> tradition. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Yes, but when you go away, you see that 
in fact, it's it's not bad in France. We have uh, we have quite a unique uh, setting. We are free to make decision. It's it's a very nice environment. I think we are very fortunate of what we have. It could be better, definitely. Uh, we we it's the same. We we need to try to improve. But still, when you go in other places, in French we say l'herbe n'est pas toujours plus verte ailleurs. I don't know how to translate that in the, English. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think in France, in Europe, we, are, we have a fantastic uh, environment and uh, a free environment to, to improve. To Yes. So that's also what you learn when you go around. Are there any particular projects that you're excited about? Uh, yes, uh, I mean, technology is something we have to, to focus on definitely in neurosurgeries. This is something I am exciting with, uh, how robotics could, uh, could help neurosurgeon, my practice, uh, you know, augmented virtuality. Uh, uh, reality is uh, is something raising and all those fields yes this is where we try now to 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 start research program uh, because neurosurgery is extremely small environment uh, extremely complex surgery so it will probably one of the last field where uh, we will have robots coming helping us because it's very tiny environment and uh, viable movements but i think it's time now that uh, we bring those technology into our field because we need it we need to have more secure surgery the mobility remain too high uh, in surgery in general and if we want surgery to survive and it has to survive because it's still uh, the best treatment for a lot of pathology, uh, including cancer. But it needs to be more safe, and uh, especially in neurosurgery. So this technology, I think, will help us in the future, and we have to bring it more in our field. So obviously robotics will become more and more important, I think, in all fields of surgery. Uh, is this still important to know the fundamentals though without without the robots yes it's a double-edged sword isn't it yes i think it's important to know the, the anatomy for example uh, uh, it will not be replaced by uh, uh, neuronavigation navigation or augmented reality you still need to know the map uh, behind all this but yes we 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 need uh, to bring uh, support for the surgeon uh, during the operation, support for the map, support for the technique movement, for the movement of the surgeon, monitoring, repair—all this is, uh, I think, is the next uh, the next step. If you could be in a room with your younger self, with uh, Sebastian Frolich at twenty or twenty-five, what would you tell him? I keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and what's the what's the best piece of advice you could give to our young listeners today? Uh, follow your passion, follow your passion and try to find a passion and follow it. That's, uh, I had the fortune to, to find a passion and, and, and to have people around me helping me to follow this passion. And uh, this was my good fortune. That's great advice. Thank you very much, Professor Sebastian Folich. Thank you for being Thanks with us today. You.
Stay tuned for more episodes, guys. We've got some more content coming on Beyond Irkad. Uh, thanks to all the listeners worldwide, and see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you.